Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Tim Wright here. I'm with Dr. Michael Green. As always, this is the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting. And even though we were with you last week, man, Michael, I feel like we haven't been together for a while to do these things. So it's good to be back doing some podcasts together. Absolutely. Summer summer does things to the brain. It sure does. <laughs> um, we picked up a new sponsor a few weeks ago. And uh, why don't you talk a bit about Marion and what Marion's doing? Yes. So uh, the official sponsor is this organization called Man Cave, uh, M.A.N.C. You know, uh, Man Cave. And it stands for All Men Need to Be Caring, Actively Engaged, Vested, and Encouraged. And so it's a nonprofit out of Phoenix and out of Head Start there and out of Greater Phoenix Urban League. It's a collaboration. And they're also part of My Brother's Keeper, um, uh, which is especially, of course, to help uh, boys and men of color. And it's it's a it's mainly a fatherhood and father nurturing program. So they provide opportunities for men to come together to enhance their parenting. Uh, they, they also have programs for women. A lot of it they can do on Zoom, uh, and they have a fathering in fifteen, uh, which is fifteen topics, fifteen minutes to help dads become better dads. Uh, it's an online learning. So if folks go to our wonderofparenting.com, they're going to see the way to get a hold of. Um, uh, man cave and Marion Hill is the head of it, um, you know, via text and via email. So go to wonderofparenting.com. Excellent. Uh, this week, I just read two uh, articles, blog posts talking about the theme of toxic masculinity. And uh, whatever that is, Marion is against it and is trying <laughs> to hold up good models, right? Of Great what models. Dads yeah. look like and men look like. And so we really highly recommend. Uh, the, the good work he's doing. And of course, Dr. Greg Jantz, our good friend up there in the Seattle area, the center of place of hope. And uh, I was uh, walking through one of his books uh, the other day, uh, getting ready for some stuff. And it's called the anxiety reset. And he's just got some really good stuff. He's a, he's a, a really good author mm-hmm. and he takes, um, you know, all, all of these things that we go through and puts them into good practical advice. So we highly recommend you check him out. The center place of hope. You can go to wonderparenting.com, wonderparenting.com for more information. Um, 
So we're picking up a question today from our Facebook group. And if you've not joined our Facebook group, I encourage you to do that. There's over a thousand people on there and um, they're sharing questions. They're sharing advice. They're sharing struggles. And every once in a while, I'll grab some questions from there. And uh, we have one today that uh, we've talked about in the past, but it's such an important one uh, that comes up again and again. And the basic gist of the question is, how do I let go of my children as they grow up? And uh, boy, this is the the heartache for every parent uh, to come to terms with that. So here's how the question went: Would love uh, a book or podcast, a book or podcast suggestions for this particular parent topic? So we're going to give you a great podcast suggestion. <laughs> Listen to this one right now. <laughs> My girls are now eleven and nine. I have always felt like a very capable parent and excelled with routines, positive discipline and raising very polite kids, (laughs) and, of course, good with structure. Now that they are older, though, I feel lost. I see it's because I don't know how to let go of control and transition to letting them be more responsible. I'm also lost with discipline and handling them, not listening as well. Thoughts or suggestions for parents, older kids. I want to help them be independent while still having routines and not micromanaging them. Well, there's just some good stuff right in there. And uh, so, Michael, take it away. First initial thoughts. Uh, yeah, well, our, of course, our hearts go out to her. Everyone who's been through that early adolescence and the beginning of the individuation that the kids are doing, um, you know, our hearts go out. And it can be very difficult to let go. I, I, I The great thing... For her and for everyone is that it's it's good that she's this is a good thing that she's feeling this it means her kids are individuating and um which is to say they're doing um natural separation in the attachment separation process with the parent um and we want them to do that because of course she wants them to grow up and this is part of them growing up uh so there's grief though and it's really, uh, you know, a sense of grief and loss for her. And mm-hmm. uh, they're actually feeling some of it too, but they're feeling so many other things that that are novel and interesting for them as they individuate that they, they're not even aware of the fact that they're kind of going to be missing the attachment a little. Um, but for her, it's very obvious. So it's so important that she gets support from other moms, you know, and from co-parent, let's say his dad. Um, but also support from other moms who have been through it, just because that it's this can be a mom experience, especially with girls. Um, you know, mm-hmm. the, the such an amazing bond she has with them as extensions of herself. Uh, you know, while they were little and uh, girls, like she's a girl and all of that, and then they're individuating, and so it can feel like such an affront um, to her. And even though it's not, but it can feel that way. And so other moms who have been through it, who hopefully have slightly older teens or even much older teens, um, uh, can support her. Uh, so and then in terms of the um, uh, I'm hoping in terms of solutions. Oh, by the way, the book she asked for, I would get Minds of Girls. Um, mm. That is I think that's, yep. you know, my most current book on raising girls and does a lot with this topic. So uh, Minds of Girls. And then in terms of practical suggestions, I'll start with one, and then I know we'll probably keep going. One of them is to to titrate maybe one per week um, the the controls that she has, you know, to just pick one, because she said she's a micromanager. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I get that. I'm kind of a micromanager myself. I understand that urge. 
Uh, so to pick one per week and, okay, so the thing, this thing I do that I micromanage them or one of them, okay, I'm not going to do that, you know, um, and just see how that goes. Uh, because to try to stop all the micromanaging all at once, you know, that's not going to work. Um, and they may still need some managing. So just pick pick one per week, talk to dad about it or co-parent about it, say, this is what I'm going to try to do. And, you know, he, he let's say it's a he, he needs to do more parenting then. She's going to talk to him about, okay, I'm not going to do this, you know, so have my back on this, you know. And, um, and then also talk to the girls and with the girls, create a plan, you know, just talk to them about this, say, hey, we're in this new phase now. I need to do this with you. Uh, but let's make the plan together. You know, what what of my managing of you do you like? What do you not like? Some of it, of course, she's got to manage for them, you know, but but at least empower them to be part of a plan um, so that as they get new freedoms, they still have responsibilities, you know, and all of that kind of is laid out in a since she likes structure gets laid out in a structure uh, that she co-develops in the family. Those, those are some, some initial thoughts. What do you think? Let's let's paint a little picture of what this journey is going to look like for the next few years. Mm. And so let's let's take the eleven year old as an example. What are some of the things that are going to be going through her now in her in her chemistry in her brain in her growing up that uh, mom's going to want to be aware of? Now mom has been through that, but sometimes we sort of forget. Um, you know, we've talked about the emotions that are going to change. And of course, her body's changing. What are some of the things mom can expect from her daughter? And then we'll talk a little bit about the changes mom might be going through. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, of course, uh, moodiness um, from the daughters, that's a lot of it's hormone related. You know, um, mom went through it, but may not remember it. And, uh, but the kids will go through it because both these girls at nine and 11 are in certainly in pre-puberty and the 11 year old may be moving into puberty, but at least pre-puberty. So the hormones are, are still raging through. Uh, so, so the moodiness can become an issue because as the mom is trying to do what she's trying to do, she's, she's getting reactivity. So she could get reactivity from the girls and some of the, some of the reactivity could be there. Yeah. They're individuating, pushing back a mom and they don't like something, but some of it could just be that they're going through all these surges of hormones and they're reactive, they're moody. So I would say that's one thing. The other things are, are going to tend to be physical and would be physically individual to each child, depending on when that child's hitting puberty. And then um, the, the 11 year olds, I would think, unless her personality is anti-risk, we, we might start seeing a little more risk from her, um, pushing boundaries more, you know, cause that's part of what puberty is about and adolescence is about as the brain is forming. And then also there'd be the pruning, you know, where maybe, where maybe this, this daughter, let's take the 11 year old, isn't going to want to do five things or 10 things. Maybe is going to, as the brain prunes, we want to make sure that brain is doing, you know, these three or four or five things, three or four things that it's going to be good at. Um, so it doesn't have to massively multitask. It can do a few things because the brain's going to prune away stuff it doesn't need. Um, and, and all of this can be exacerbated by screens and social media. So mm-hmm. it's going to be very important as the child is taking more risks, as the child is, you know, the brain's pruning and trying to figure out what it's really good at and wants to do that, that, uh, that brain is still protected at 11 from excessive screen time. And also from, you know, ought to have no smartphone yet 
because uh, that's two or three hours that's just going to ex- it's just going to exacerbate the moodiness exacerbate the hormone flow and be more likely for depression or anxiety or some other things that the mom's not going to want to work with right i mean she would rather avoid that if she could in the 11 year old so um uh given that there's conflict i would also be really careful about screens when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. We've talked a little bit about girl drama in the past. How, how does that play into these transitions? Yeah, I think that that's probably some, some of what's happening with between mom and the daughter. Um, you know, there it is dramatic. And, and we've said before that girl drama is a term that we all use. And we apologize to those people who feel like it's stereotyping. I, I've heard that. Mm-hmm. I get that. We're using it, though, to talk about to talk about the the way that girls in particular do their attachment and their separation. So they, they, they attach by merging their personalities quite a bit of the time. And that's certainly what mom and daughter did their person. They, they merged as they were in the, you know, the first 10 years, let's say the first seven, eight, nine years that they, they really are, can be extensions of each other. And then these, this 11 year old, if we pick her, she has a friend, another friend who she merges with, her other 11 year old friend or her 12 year old friend and they merge their personalities and they don't realize they're doing it. And then they get too close. And, um, uh, because, and especially actually, especially in adolescence, we'll gradually see this because the adolescent brain is also trying to individuate anyway. It's trying to create a separate self. So, um, so they pull apart, right? They've, they've, their personalities have merged. They're trying each other's clothes on and combing each other's hair. They're all like one person, but they can't survive that way. So they pull apart and they pull far apart for a period of time and say they hate each other and all of these things. And, um, uh, you know, and then they may come back together, may not. And they do this in groups so that two people could be hating another girl. And then Mm -hmm. one of them could be friends with that girl and they hate the other girl. And, and, and so my argument has always been, and I, a lot of this, a lot of this is in minds of girls. My argument has always been that this is actually a normal process for girls to go through because they're learning boundaries and self and they're doing it experientially uh, in the same way that guys jump off buildings to take risks. um, And you rarely find girls doing that. Well, you're less likely to find guys merging personalities this way and combing each other's hair, right? And then and then pulling apart this way. This is this is something that, something that's a, more of a fit for female brain. Although guys could do it, and um, more of a fit for uh, that female adolescent journey. And it can take years, like five to ten years, of this merging and pulling apart. And because it, it's for the brain to learn boundaries and for the self to develop itself, you know, that's that's really difficult especially for girls and as 
as the mom knows, and as every woman knows, they reconnect with this difficulty when they have kids um, and they're working and they have a spouse and they lose themselves as adults. Mm. They don't have a self as adults and they wake up and they say, I have no self, you know, where, where, where are my boundaries? I, I give everything to everyone else. I have no self. Well, that, and then they have to say, Oh, wait a minute. I got to figure out who I am um, again. And so that's what the adolescent girls are going through without mm-hmm. all the responsibilities, but it's still that giving up of self and trying to find a self and build a self. And the mom just happens to be right there because she's female. She's the mom. She had the primary attachment with this girl. And now as they individuate, the girl will do drama on her, um, yeah. uh, not just on the other girlfriends. This this is stating the obvious, but no child has been through this process until they go through it. And they basically, they go through it once, you know, we, we individuate from our parents mm-hmm. and no parent has gone through it until they've had their firstborn go through it. So you sort of learn on the fly. Mm-hmm. And, and even if you've had two, three, four kids and you go through it, it's still every one of them. It's, it's just a different story. And there's so much confusion. What you just outlined, um, especially here with, with female attachment and so on, where, at one moment, the daughter says, mom, I need you. And then a second later, mom, get out of my life. Hmm. Uh, leave me alone. And mom doesn't know what to do. The daughter doesn't know what to do. It's a really challenging dance at times. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, most families make it through in one piece. It's it's all a part of the growing process. So, so give moms here uh, in particular, and then we'll talk dads a bit in a moment. Uh, give moms a few a uh, little suggestions on how you navigate that period of time that is so confusing when does my daughter want me around or not? And when the daughter's mm. thinking, do I need my mom or can I do this on my own? Mm-hmm. Well, we want to, yes. Uh, uh, a couple of things I would say is, is um, one is we definitely want to let the mom, we need to let the daughter do as much on her own as she can. Yep. Um, so target that in the internal thinking process of, uh, you know, can she do that? Can she do that? Can she do that? If she can do those things, don't, we don't need to get involved. Um, uh, and that's the thing to titrate one a week. Like, let's say, let's say mom likes the daughter to clean her room. I'll assume she has her own room just for this scenario. And, you know, and now, now maybe mom titrates on that one away, titrates that away and says, okay, I'm not going to force her to clean her room, but she does have to clean up after herself in our public spaces, which by the Mm -hmm. way, I think is a good rule for any family. There's no reason a mom or dad should be cleaning up for their kids in the public space. Kids should do that themselves, but you know, in her own room, that's her space now, right? That's her, her thing. Let's, let's let go of that one. And, and um, so do that and let her do as much as she can independently. Another thing I would caution all of us as adults is just as our kids push our buttons, um, we should be self-conscious and talking to our spouse and anyone we need to that support system. I talked about the other women, the other moms about what it's triggering in us from when we yeah. were growing up, you know? So yeah. we project, we really project a lot. And I mean, I'm the, I, I'll say I was the worst at it. When I coached my girls in soccer, I didn't even realize till later how I was projecting my lack of athleticism when I was a kid, you know, <laughs> onto them and like being really yeah. hard on them, you know, to do this, do that and all that when they were, um, uh, you know, early adolescence when I was coaching them and I was really projecting my own stuff onto yep. them. 
And, and, and there are many ways in which we all can do that. And so this mom, I'm sure, is doing that because we're all human. And so be aware of those things because it, the journey will get easier when, when I discover that. And it was usually Gail kept having to tell me and I finally gave in and said, yo, you're right. Okay. I had to discover it. And once I discovered it, there was a lot of relief and there was relief in my relationship with my daughters and she will have some relief in her relationship with these girls and other things Mm. will start to work out because she will figure out uh, these projections. So certainly let them do anything they can make a list, put it on the refrigerator, work with them on what the list is going to be that they can now do themselves. Um, and also use this as the journey of self-development. Um, be in the journey and let them challenge us as the mom, the dad, et cetera, challenge us to grow. Um, and we will then end up healing some of our own trauma from our childhoods, actually. So there, there's no right or wrong answer to this question, but just to throw it out there, uh, there are going to come times when mom or dad's going to want to intervene or where the child's going to want mom or dad to intervene. And then you've got a decision to make. Is this the right time to intervene? Or do I need to let my child work this out on his her, her his or her own? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you sort of balance that? Again, you can't give us a straight answer that's always going to work every time. But how do we work through that? Because especially when they're starting to move away from the nest, you know, our, our protective feathers are all over them. And, and there are going to be times when we just want to intervene because they're going to about to make a stupid decision or, or, you know, whatever it might be, or they come to us and said, I've really blown it. You got to help me out. How do you sort of help them navigate those times and, and, you know, to the best of your ability, make wise decisions about when to intervene and when not to. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a big one. I, uh, it's so important to raise them with, you know, with good character. I mean, to me, I've said this before to me, character development is more more important to me in developing children if i had to pick one than emotional development and i know that sounds like a crazy thing to say for obviously for a therapist but what i really mean by that is that emotions are going to be coming and going and we're going to constantly be navigating emotions care which is good that's fine but character is something that we really need to instill and work hard to instill through all the methods, modeling it, good character, you know, engaging, conversational, you know, uh, faith, community, church, you know, there are all these ways of character, family system. Um, So I, what I feel like is, okay, if we've done that and we have a sense that this person has good character, this child, it does make the journey easier because we are going to probably not, the child is probably not going to ask us to intervene unless we are needed because mm-hmm. the child has kind of a good, strong core self that we've helped build in that child. So if that child asks us to intervene, that, that child maybe really needs it, you know? Um, and, and we can trust that, or at least try to trust that. Now, that being, that being said, we have to always uh, follow our instincts. These children yeah. are only nine and 11, right? So right. a parent should always trust parent, not podcast, right? Trust yourself. <laughs> you know, if you see something that have to be in, inter- you got to intervene, of course. Um, uh, but at the same time, you know, I lean toward non-intervention to just try to let the kids problem solve and mature themselves. So I'm going to always lean in my answer toward that. And, um, and then I'm going to also hope that we have focused on character development so that we we can trust their process. If we are really worried about the child, though, the child has, 
you know, is incredibly immature or, or may have a brain disorder, disability, or we just think, okay, this child's had a lot of trauma. The child is not showing self-regulation, impulse control. The child, you know, this child has issues. Then, you know, I think we're going to have to intervene more. Sure. Absolutely. And as you, as you always say, if the child is in danger, you're going to intervene. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. So at the risk of sort of a shameless promotion, uh, when we're talking <laughs> about character development... Um, Michael and I have created some character-based rites of passage mm-hmm. experiences. Uh, if you go to wonderparenting.com, wonderparenting.com, we've got um, some written for uh, church groups that they can do together. Uh, then we've got ones where moms can take their daughters through, dads can take their sons through, faith-based curriculum, secular-based curriculum. Uh, last week, we talked about uh, Michael's book, The Purpose of Boys, and about my new book, uh, The Adventures of Toby Baxter, which is based on Michael's book. So those are all character development uh, resources if you're looking for that. And, and um, so Michael's not just throwing this out. This is something he's advocated for for much of his uh, adult life. And there is some real wisdom to that, to think through, if I can build my child's life on good character, it's the character that will eventually shape and mold the emotions. and um, that's really wise. Now we we haven't talked a lot about boys individuating because we did a podcast on that not too long ago, especially for moms on what do they do when their boys start pulling away. But let's talk about dads and their daughters for just a moment. Mm-hmm. You a dad of two daughters, I had a daughter. Um how how is are there differences between the way moms and their daughters sort of have to go through this process and the way that dads and their daughters go through this process? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to make some generalizations, of course, Uh, the research will support these generalizations. And I think people anecdotally will support them, but they are generalizations, there can be exceptions. Generally, generally, um, the, the dad separation feels different than the mom separation, because um, the the dad didn't carry the child and the dad has a whole different biology with the child and, um, uh, and his developmental biology and her developmental biology are not as connected as the mom and the daughters are. And I think everyone knows what I mean in terms of developmental biology. We're talking, we're talking about the same hormonal structure, right? Estrogen, oxytocin, all that, the same hormonal structure. And then it all started in the same place, of course, you know, mom carrying the child and even an adoptive mom, such, such a huge connection and connectivity. So it's going to be, the attachment's going to feel different. And um, it doesn't mean the dad's less attached. That's that's not it. It feels different. Mm-hmm. So dads, dads often 
it's easier for dads um, often, not always, to do the separation with the daughters because their attachment and bond with the child has has been so much more, has occurred so much more through doing tasks together, doing things together, um, doing homework together, you know, doing soccer together, doing um, whatever whatever those things are, and um, uh, not from the same developmental biology. So I think that's probably the primary reason that um, that our role as dads is really to feel the separation, to say, okay, I feel it. Now what's my job? You know, to know what our job is with this child. So take the 11 year old. Okay. What, who am I? Well, what am I? My, I'm the rule. I, maybe I help with the rules. Um, okay. Got to hold that space. Well, got to, you know, maybe I'm the risk taker. Okay. I'm going to help her to take risks. Um, but here's as far as I'd like to see the risk go. So to know, you know, to know, to feel the separation, accept it, you know, uh, get our own support for it because what it'll happen. And then to hold our jobs, hold our role. And sometimes it is a more peripheral role than the moms, especially if the mom has been the primary caregiver, has been combing the hair and giving the baths and you know what I mean? 80% of the time, um, let's say, then, then we hold our space, but it doesn't mean that we don't really feel it and, and hurt from it. And you and I both know that when our child separates, we hurt from it. And so that also can hopefully help us to be empathic to mom who might be, who might be not always, but might be feeling it even more. And right. so now we can support her. And very often what we end up saying is, you know, it's going to be okay. She's, she is the daughter. She's going to be okay. She's going to learn from her mistakes. You know what I mean? We're, we, we will develop sort of these mantras to help if this generalization fits. Now I am generalizing because sometimes the mom is like, okay, go away, you know, <laughs> go separate. Right. And it's the dad who's like, no, 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 stay close to me. So of course that can happen. And if so, then these roles shift a little bit. Yeah. Well, it is such a crucial time in the lives of our children. And of course, as parents, and you know, the good news is that usually you come out the other side and you're stronger than ever you appreciate each other you're now you're relating to your kids as adults which is a very strange experience after you've been relating to them as children for so right. long right and now you've got to sort of let them make their own choices let them make their own mistakes uh give wisdom when you can learn to keep your mouth shut when you got to keep your mouth shut then they get married and they have their own kids <laughs> and your relationship changes again oh, right yeah. and so it's always an evolving process and, um, you know, if you're, if your relationships early on are built on, you know, health and love and compassion, uh, you get through it and you're stronger for it. So, uh, good luck mom and all you moms and dads out there who are in that sort of transition period. And Michael, thank you so much. It's as always really enlightening. Oh, thank you. Thanks everyone. Yep. And uh, we're going to be back with you next time. Uh, for episode number 207. We look forward to that. A reminder to go to wonderparenting.com, wonderparenting.com. You'll find the links to our sponsors. You'll find links to resources. Uh, So I think you'll find that very helpful. And go to Facebook and do a quick search of Wonder Parenting, and you'll find us. Hit the join button. I'll let you in as soon as I get it, and you can be a part of that community as well. So thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, share it with a friend, and we'll be back with you next week. Have a good week.
Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.